body better than HQ, but no one knows what the X stands for, except for extremely good. <clears throat> Here we go. Welcome to episode 197 of Channel Massive. I'm Noah. Anybody else out there? Hello, Mark here. Oh, hi. Tear. Say more, shy lady from oh, across hi. the pond. Pleased to meet you. <laughs> She's uh, activated her AI programming. She's in coy mode. Koi mode. Koi mode, yeah. Isn't that a fish? Yep. No, well, or also <laughs> kind of shy. And... That's what I was thinking. <laughs> no. I wasn't That's saying she was a fish. I see how it is. Oh, it was not a... joining was... us via the Skype, Jason. Is it safe to talk now? It is. Oh, okay. Hello. <laughs> Hello. 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 It's really great to have both of you on here. And as I've been mentioning prior to starting recording, I'm really excited about this episode because I, ha- I have a feeling that lots of amusing remarks and non sequiturs will be coming from both of you. You Bullshit. sound oh, very sorry. excited, Noah. I cannot <laughs> wait to share this fun and exciting news day to, with, along with you today. I have to provide a contrast to your zany personality. Increase enthusiasm 15%. Exactly, exactly. We have a huge intergetin section, lots of news developments. We've got a meaty email for feedback. We're going to be talking about the plane. We've got a couple big roundtable topics. We might even do a little bit more than that. Lots and lots of stuff to get through. If you have any comments on the show, please send them in to mail. M-A-I-L. At ChannelMassive.com, we really appreciate you subscribing to the show and listening to us. And now, into the intro, get in, first of all, the finance section. Yes, comrade. (laughs) (laughs) So we have three stories. First up, Ubisoft is investing $507 million in Splinter Cell to set up a really fancy Toronto development, a Toronto-based development team that they're hoping is going to be as similarly awesome as their Montreal studio, which I think the Montreal studio does Assassin's Creed, right? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Five, $507 million. That's like, okay, here's my That's math. kind of a random works. number. Yeah. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's really, it really is. Canadian million we, dollars. We were going to go for $5 million, but then we decided... Yeah, we need the toilets to be made out of gold. So it's a little extra money, but yeah, that is odd. So it's part of a a 10-year plan to grow the group, the company, the the subdivision, whatever you want to call it, to 800, well, to add 800 new staffers. The the, uh, branch was already started back in 2009 to work in the new Splinter Cell game. Splinter Cell's something that I kind of feel has fallen off my radar a little bit. Do you I've, 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 I played the first three, and that's it. 
But then they recently re- uh, released HD versions of the first three, which I got. <laughs> They're good. <laughs> Yeah, I've played through a few of those games, too. I'm just, I'm kind of curious, like, how many games are supposed to come out of this? Uh, You know, is it just one? Is this, like, funding for one game, or is this funding for two, three? Well, if they're making an entire new studio, then they probably expect to do several more games. Yeah, I mean, that's... spin-offs. Yeah, that's that's my thought, but I mean, it's like it doesn't say like okay, you know, there's no, you know, real information as far as you know. Okay, we're gonna you know, you know, put out like a trilogy of of games or you know, or, or there's just gonna be one massive you know push towards this you know new reimagining of the Splinter Cell series or whatnot. Did, no, no, you see, didn't you hear? Splinter Cell Tower Defense for iOS. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that's, what the, that's what the $500 million is going towards, a, yep. a Tower Defense game for iOS. That's awesome. Tower Lost. Defense Splinter Cell. <laughs> Tower, de- Tower Defense Lost Earth will crush it, I predict. <laughs> Facebook integration, I'm sure. That's yeah. Fun. Some social game aspects. I, I, yeah, I'm sure it's a shop set up for the franchise. That seems to yeah. be how people roll these days. But man, 507 million—that's uh, pretty amazing. It's a pretty amazing yeah. investment for just a series of games, I guess. Well, the ones that haven't been as prolific or as headline grabbing as Assassin's Creed, I think they're trying to really ma- rejuvenate this other franchise to be just as powerful and as important as. Assassin's Creed. It's a lot. They've they've done a lot with their studio across many different series. It'll be interesting to see how successful they are. It is a lot. Why Splinter Cell? I don't know. I feel like it's kind of military and has the stealth stuff still that big? I don't know. Why not Rocksmith? Damn it. (laughs) No. You wish you would get that kind of funding. Oh, I wish you would get $7. (laughs) You know, I mean, I, I you know, in, in its heydays, the Splinter Cell series was a, you know, fairly popular franchise. Uh, it sure was. It's just, I think the gameplay kind of got stale after a while, and then a lot of games did the whole stealth model. Um, they took, a lot of games took that stealth model to the next level uh, and did it better uh, than, than uh, that series ever did, so... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I like it. I mean, I like the idea of having some new Splinter Cell games out there. It's, uh, you know, I just, I, I'd like to see some growth there and some, you know, maybe some different things, you know, coming out of that. Speaking not the same of, old, same old. Yeah. Yeah. Which we may not be getting from Max Payne 3, which is coming out the same day as Diablo 3 in North America and a little bit later over in Europe, and much like L.A. Noir, a Rockstar DLC pass can be purchased for that game. You can actually spend $30 to get the DLC pass for Max Payne 3, which will give you, it looks like, about seven little downloads, some packs that will go out all the way into autumn. And there will be multiplayer map packs, looks like, for the most part. Which would raise the cost of the game if you're going to buy the game new at $60. There you go, spending, Noah. 
$90. There you go. For your full Max Payne 3 experience, which if you buy this $30 DLC pack, it is a 35% discount if you over buying pains individually. What do you guys think? Do you think that this is playing their cards too early? I mean, there's a lot of games out there that release DLC that probably add up to even more than that over time. Is it... Do you like this plan of like, hey, buy everything at once for a discount, or do you think this is just making the, the schemes of DLC too transparent? I think it's fine if they have something like this. I mean, you don't have to get it. You can wait. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might not like the game. You could wait probably like eight months, maybe a year, and get the collector's edition, which I'm sure would include all of this for free. Even less, yes. Yeah. Uh, here, here's what I think. I, I think it's it's called uh, buy our ninety dollar game. That's what I think it's called. I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty simple. It's, it's pretty simplistic. I think it's kind of a good idea. I mean, it's like, well, we get the commitment now. It's kind of like a pre-order, but mm-hmm. um, you know, it kind of helps them lock it in. It kind of deals with that thing that the game companies are. You know, trying to do to ensure that stuff that's resold, um, you know, they get some value out of it, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I kind of see it like they have, you can, like with MMOs, you can just buy the game and pay monthly, or you can buy a lifetime pass. You don't have to get a lifetime pass. You might regret it later because you might not like the game. But you don't have to get it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's nice that it's there. Do you think this is content? I'm skimming through some of the, or scanning through the comment reactions to this particular news story over on GameSpot. And overall, the reaction is really negative. It's, it's like, it's kind of, a, I think it implicitly is like, why aren't you giving us this content on the disc to begin with? But other than that, it's just like, oh my gosh, this is just so much money and it's price gouging. And I'm not Stop. buying this game because of the whole DLC. Stop trying to rape my wallet. That's a yeah. good one. Kind of sums it all up there. But I think it's I think it's the beginning of you know what everybody suspects is you have to uh, you know you're gonna have a pass like this with you know with the whole use you know this goes back to the to used game con, you know the, the whole used game controversy where okay well we're we're going to you know try to figure ways around this so in order to you know, get all this content when you get the game from like GameFly or whatever, wherever place you maybe rent the game from. Um, it's going to be thirty dollars, you know, to get all the extra goodies. But it looks like it's. It. I could be wrong, but it looks like it's all multiplayer map packs and stuff. So yeah, that's what it looks like I mean, to me. I don't even like games like that. I don't even play multiplayer. If I want to play a multiplayer, you know, FPS game, I play a a game that's known for being multiplayer FPS, not, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to play like Bioware 2 multiplayer, you know, for instance. Wow, in the middle of all this fighting, I'm going to go solve this puzzle, you know, so I don't know. Last story in the financial section. Microsoft is going to be selling an Xbox 360 bundled with a Kinect and a controller. For $99, there's a catch. If you buy this $100 edition of the 360, it only comes with a 4 gigabyte. Um, I don't know if it's a memory card or it's a... I think it's probably a memory card. And a monthly... You're obligated to pay 
two years worth of a monthly subscription to Xbox Live, $15, which ends up being over two years, $360 plus $100, the initial outlay, $460. Xbox 360, essentially without a hard drive, but with the Kinect, more than, what is it, like $300 to get an Xbox 360 with a hard drive? I believe. Right. Uh, Connect is currently another $150 on top of that, so 300 It's almost about the same price. It's almost like you're just getting it kind of a... Yeah, but you wouldn't get the Xbox Live subscription if you bought it like it just... If you bought the regular bundle. That's right, that's right. Well, well I mean, it's what's a, what's an Xbox Live subscription cost normally? $50 a year? It's now $60 a year. Oh, $60 a year, so... Mm-hmm. It's, Hmm, interesting. I don't know. I think it's cool for people that don't have a lot of money to put down. I mean, you can always buy the hard drive, right? I think that the people who are going to be buying this probably already have a 360, and they just want to upgrade or get a new one. So they are they would be able to switch the HDD from their old one over to the new one. I've done mm. that twice with mine. I've upgraded the HDD twice. I went from, when I got it, it was 60. Then I got a 125 one. Then I got a 251. And it's just at the top. You just take it off and put the other one on. That's a great point. And also, Um, actually, I don't don't think that that's going to be the case at all. I think, you know, you're looking at a new Xbox, looking at a new Xbox Slim, which those hard drives are not compatible they're not? Oh, that's right. The new Xbox Slim uh, uses a different shaped hard drive. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe but still, you can just... those are only like, what, I think I saw one 45 pounds. Well, I don't know what the conversion. There's like 45 pounds for a 300 and something one. So that's not that much. That's not much. And if, and if it's still a 2.5 inch um, hard drive, you can still just open up that little enclosure and swap out the other one with it probably. That's true. They're just, they're just, it's a really simple little thing. So do you think yep. this is a good idea? Do you think it's going to be something that'll... Hell yeah. Be a game I think it's a great idea, yeah. If you if you try to get out of the two-year subscription, you have to pay, pay a cancellation fee, much like you would with a cell phone contract. Yeah, it's a great idea. It works for cell phones. Why wouldn't it work for this? I think you a lot of people in... also will be getting it for media player capabilities more than oh, games. But the... The sad part is, well, yeah. Oh, you buy a media player, you mean things like Netflix and stuff? Yeah. Uh. Not not the horrible Xbox media player, which blows chunks. <laughs> no. All right, let's get into the rage section of Intergeddon. I'm already First in the up, rage mode. <laughs> Notch, <laughs> the Minecraft creator, has thrown the gauntlet at EA to claim that EA is destroying gaming. This is was <laughs> to quote methodically unquote running it into the ground. This comment from Marcus Person, creator of Minecraft, was kind of fueled apparently from EA launching a quote unquote indie bundle on their origin. Wait, actually it's it's available on Steam. And so Notch said EA releases an indie bundle? That's not how that works. EA, stop attempting to ruin everything, you bunch of cynical bastards. Indies are saving gaming. EA is methodically destroying it. (laughs) 
And then apparently somebody smacked his wrist because then after that, he's like, oh, I got into trouble. The games of the bundle are good. I'm not questioning them. I'm questioning EA. Well, if you're wondering, the, the games in the indie bundle are Death Spank, Death Spank 2, Gatling Gears, Shank, Shank 2, and Warp for $21. That's good. The, 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 by the sarcastic tone with which you read it from Pearson's point of view, one can only assume that you are a corporate shill for EA. So, <laughs> of course, obviously. <laughs> what, are, what are your? What are your? Are, are, what do you think, Noah? I mean, do you do you do you think that this Notch guy must be stopped at all costs, or uh, do you agree with him at, in his opinion of EA destroying gaming? Or do you think, as I do, let me just put words in your mouth, that it's uh, <laughs> incredibly hypocritical for EA to launch an indie bundle? <laughs> It'd be kind of like Sony launching a, a "Hey, we support all these indie artists, recording artists" kind of thing, or something like that. We're, we're always we've always been we've always films. been about the little guy. What's that? All all the major film uh, distributors they all have their own little indie signboards now. You've got Sony Classics and Fox right. Searchlight. It's it's a similar thing. It's like it's almost like they're trying to say that indie isn't truly independently made. It's a different vibe. It's a different type of taste in terms of games. That's how I kind of feel that the major studios indie films are, is that they're lower budget, but they've got different flavor to them. Uh, (laughs) I like the irony that his own company isn't indie, and he noted that. Uh, It's just, I think it's misdirected, Rage on his part, he's pissed off about something else and he's lashing out at EA because it was an easy target and thing to react to, and it's kind of stupid. He's probably getting ganked too much in the Old Republic and thinks his class is broken. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Damn it. My Sith warrior juggernaut's just not owning like he should. Let's go, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he also. He also fails to mention that he's being, uh, you know, he's being paid probably very well for, for uh, putting his uh, version of Minecraft out on Xbox Live uh, next week, or is it in a couple weeks? I believe. Yeah, probably not the smartest thing to say. He used to be pretty cool, but now he's just a fucking tool. (laughs) In summary, I'm like diametrically opposed to the three of you guys on this. I, I think. I think the world of the guy. I don't think he's. I think he was. When did I? When did I say that he was a bad guy? I just I think that he kind of was a little bit off when he when he made this particular comment. I I don't hate the guy. I, um, I think the I think the game is you know the games that he made is uh, pretty damn good. Uh, but you know so I, I, I don't know I don't I don't you know I don't hate on the guy. I just think I just, he's saying that they're hypocrites, and I I think EA is pretty fucking evil too. So I'm with them. Yeah, but they got the good games that yeah. you can't help but play. Yeah, they're the worst company in America through acquisition. I still think Activision's worse than EA because I feel yeah. like Activision drives more stuff on the ground even more than EA does. But that's just me. Oh, everybody! You know, every 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 company is evil. Period. Yeah. 
it's easy to, to let's just not argue. let's just not buy anything anymore, shall we? Let's go set up our tents outside the Capitol. That's right. Let's go. Let's go play jacks. Or checkers. <laughs> can can we bring our handhelds though? No, no, can't do that I'm, because I'm afraid I'm going to have to pass there. <laughs> there. Me too. I can't. Claire. I can't go anywhere if I don't have access to games. <laughs> so the rage continues. Our rage section of the Intergeten overseas in Deutschland, Germany, Motorola won a trial in which it claimed that Microsoft was infringing on some of its patents. German court agreed with Motorola, and let's see if we can follow the ball inside the cup, said that because Motorola's patents were infringed upon, Microsoft can no longer sell Xbox 360s, Windows 7, Internet Explorer, or Windows Media Player over in Germany. But then it turns out, over in America, there is a judge in Seattle America, has fuck issued yeah. Sorry. a restraining order against Motorola for violating its quote-unquote friend commitments, which is a promise that if you have a patent that uses widely used technology, that you license and sell it at a fair, reasonable, and non-discriminatory price tag. So because of that, Motorola can enforce Microsoft being able to or can, uh, yeah, can't enforce Microsoft not being able to sell its products. And then on top of that, Microsoft is also appealing the decision from the German court. So everything is still proceeding business as usual. It's it will be so interesting bizarre. to see how this turns out, though. Usually with this patent stuff, eventually somebody gets paid off. Yeah. And life goes on. And all of those companies have quite enough money to pay off the other one if something happens. <laughs> Yeah, I I hate stuff like this. With patents are so abused. I mean, I've been trying forever ever since I found out that you could patent like these just broadly used technologies like concept of the the display screen or the the um peripheral that allows you to move things around on the screen or the keyboard or whatever. I I've been trying to patent breathing and you know the process that converts oxygen to carbon dioxide. <laughs> mhm. And then, like, have, like, a big, like, thing where, like, I make everybody pay me five bucks the minute they're born. And it's just going nowhere, and, and I, I'm really disappointed. Well, let's so, just keep at it. I'm sure I'm, I'm thinking up. of a Kickstarter project, <laughs> maybe, but to that, get me some more money. It's kind of funny, though, because Mark, while while trying to be funny, uh, makes, a, makes a very good point, is where, you know, breathing, of course, is, you know, there fundamental. There is no try. Everybody needs to be able to breathe. You know, everybody needs each other's technology. And so that's why these kind of, you know, lawsuits and, and things like that, you know, it, it doesn't benefit anybody. It doesn't benefit the people, um, you know, with the patent. It doesn't benefit the person who is supposedly infringing upon the patent. Everybody is better off just, you know, coming to agreement and saying, you know, hey, okay, yeah, you can use my technology to do this, and you know, as long as hey, we get we get our fair share of the cut, and and vice versa, and that's what ends up happening, and that it, that's how it works. That's why these things just really don't amount to much of anything at all. You know what I'd like to hear though is a positive story about patents. I never hear anything <laughs> but negative stories about patents. Yes, they're always anger and stuff. There's not like the patent saved our company. It's just like, we're going to use this patent to prove a point. And it's just like, Oh, 
Yes, our vaguely defined patent will is something that we will defend and and use to try and extort money from companies yeah, that develop innovative, legitimate technologies. Oh, yeah. that's weird. why I've been I've been trying to retroactively uh, patent the emoticon. <laughs> you all be my bitches, but so far no luck. The next piece of our rage section, actually, it's a concluding topic. It ties back to something we've talked about, I think, in the last week's episode. So Crytek developer, the developer Crytek, made a little statement that, like, hey, you know what? If we had next-gen consoles that blocked used games, that'd be awesome, quote-unquote. And he said, this was, uh, what's, what's his name? Rasmus Hojengard which was probably totally mispronounced on my behalf. I apologize. He's the director of creative development. The other week he said, it's weird that renting or, or buying used games is still allowed because it doesn't work like that in any other software industry. So it would be great if they could somehow fix that as well. Well, then he decided to backtrack. He said, oh, my comment made in the interview released on the 24th of April touching upon quote unquote blocking sales of used games was not intended to be taken seriously, nor representative of the opinion of Crytek. It was just a joke. In other words, <laughs> Which is also published by Electronic Art. <laughs> Thank you for that, Jason. Evil. Yeah, but Evil. Is, when I read that quote, it didn't sound to me like, wow, it's absolutely... It didn't sound like he was being facetious. It sounded like a genuine comment. He was comment. not being facetious at all. It, that's total backtracking, and it's, it's bullshit. Yep. And, oh, man, I am so tired of that statement. But meanwhile, another developer has decided to chime in after that little backtracking, and that would be Dices. That's the creators of Battlefield and Mirror's Edge. Their temp CEO, Patrick Bach, said, yeah, I heard about that backtracking and selling statements on sales of used games. He's like, and he believes that it can be both win and loss. In his opinion, essentially, he thinks that allowing used games to be sold can be a loss for gamers ultimately because that causes companies to be more risk averse and they basically just develop sequels and build upon things that are surefire wins versus uh, if there was a limitation on the sale of used games, there would be potentially a lot more new IPs and a lot more single player focused games with people being experimental because they wouldn't have to worry about losing money through sales of used games. They're not losing money, though. That's the part that pisses me off. They make as much money as they're, they're entitled to make. They're not losing money. They're just not gaining money that was none of their... that they had no right to make in the first place. I'm full of rage. I'm ready for this. I've been playing a Sith warrior for a long time. I'm just sick of this argument. I'm tired of hearing about it. I am too, and I was going to cite examples, but you're right. It's like, it is just... just, Really? uh. I mean, I could, like, the majority of the games that I buy are used because they're too fucking expensive for anybody to be able to purchase every single one. Well, and you know what? You and I, all four of us, are consumers, and Mm -hmm. we have to balance our budgets and we want to play games, and we have to do what's best for us. And the best thing for consumers is to be able to buy a game that has already been purchased at full price by somebody. It was never pirated, never stolen, or whatever. And all we're doing is we're buying it. And if some company makes some money off of that that doesn't go back to the developer because they were able to um, 
you know, facilitate the acquisition of the product, market That's- the product for resale, find a fair price that fits into our budgets, get the product to us. They, they, they facilitated all of that. They did that. That's what they're entitled to. People yes, hate and, and the fact that GameStop, GameStop is so successful in what they do, but hey, that's, they're smart. They were like, you know, there's this untapped market of people that want to play these games and only regional little, you know, uh, boutique shops are able to provide this. Let's figure out a way to do this on a massive scale and make our money, and that's what they do. Sorry, Jay. And also, okay. you know, that's... like some... For instance, I bought when I got uh, Mass Effect 2, I bought it used. But because I bought it used, I was able to get all of the DLC for it. I wouldn't have been able to get that if I had bought it new because it's still really expensive here. Mm-hmm. No doubt. So they, that's still, why... they still got my money. Yeah, so, and this is why companies like Gamefly are, are successful too. And that, that's why... You know, companies are coming out and they're saying, okay, this DLC, we're going to make this DLC, you know, a separate part of the game. And so, you know, yeah. and, you know, that's why that's their supposed tactic to combat the used game sale. It, and that's the best part. That's the best point ever is if you make your DLC compelling enough, then 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 you've won the battle. But if you make it a an expansion map for multiplayer in a game that doesn't really shine as a multiplayer FPS game or whatever, that's your own fault. Figure out a model that works. I mean, Riot. Here's also. I think here's where they're. Money. I think they're missing. I think they're missing an opportunity too because I think I think the industry is in serious need of a price drop, a across the board price drop. Oh, your yeah, base definitely. price on the game is. Sixty fucking dollars now. All right, I'm sorry, but drop that to forty. You know, drop that to forty, and see you know how what? much see how much your sales go up from there. And that's, then that's... and then tag on your DLC and all that other extra shit on top of that, and see how much your sales jump up. I bet it goes up astronomically. That's and, that's, I mean, I'm, and I'm not a financial expert by any means. Nor do I play one on TV, but I bet you would see a major, a major profit if you Definitely. just drop the price. That's that's the problem, right? They're using 20th century analogies um, to a, a 21st century world. They're like, we're going to take the game, we're going to have it packaged up and resold by a distributor, um, and you know it's going to go through multiple hands before it ever hits the consumer. And yet, when the consumer does any kind of trade with that game. We want a kickback from it. Well, that's a 21st century kind of philosophy that they're looking for. Rather, if they would just embrace digital distribution and cut out the middleman like Best Buy and all the all the people that go that are you know involved in the process from where the game goes from the developer to the consumer, then they would be totally in control. If it was all digitally di- distributed and there was no way to trade it and they sold it mm-hmm. at a price point of like $40, mm-hmm. everybody would be happy except for companies like Best Buy. But you know what? They're the only ones left and all they can do is sell all their other shit, which they are very successful at, selling washing machines, refrigerators, TVs, you know, all these things that are not software. So that that's it's like I, I hate to hear these guys crying about how they're not making money on these resells when the means for succeeding is right there at their fingertips. They've just not embraced it. What what can you say? The guys that do the free to play games, they got it five years ago and they're doing fine. <laughs> 
As I said, this was the rage section, but I believe we're going to wrap that up. <laughs> no, I have more rage to distribute. I'm not done. <laughs> I'm mad. We're not going Sa- to Save into... it for the collectors. Yes, you're Save correct. your rage for the collectors. <laughs> I will. Sorry about that. I'm going to check out. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to head into the soothing new development section. Potentially uh, soothing, or is it going to have more rage? First of all... <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> Racing games apparently can only be successful at the start of console generations. At least that's according to former Blur and Project Gotham Racing developer Gareth Williams, who's now working on Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed for Sega. He said, we need a new console. Racing games always do well when a new console comes out. And you do a new physics engine and improved graphics, but towards the end of a console cycle, it's always quite hard to push racing games. I think because if you've got, if you have Dirt 1, do you really need Dirt 3? If you've got Project Gotham Racing 3, do you want it number 4? I'm not so sure. It really relies on technology, the racing genre, maybe more than any other genre. If you play Need for Speed Hot Pursuit, is there any other racing game you need to play? <laughs> I think that's kind of bullshit. I mean, I, I yeah. a lot of people I work with play uh, Forza Motorsport Four. I think it is. Why? And they love it. They think it is freaking awesome. They play it multiplayer with Xbox Live or whatever, and they think it just Ugh. rules. I personally don't like racing games unless I'm at a arcade where I can sit in a in a car simulator that actually moves me around and stuff, and I can actually see my opponents. Like those eight by um, games that they have, like um, mm-hmm. uh, Dave and Buster's and stuff like that. Each other. Yeah. yeah, like I think it's called Grand Prix or something. I can't remember, but I love those games. But you know, th- this is not a genre that appeals to me. But I don't think that as people as developers start to figure out the technology, they get worse at making car games. And everybody that I work with that plays these games love the latest and greatest generation of them. Mm-hmm. To me, it's absolute crap, but to them, they love it. So I don't think that people get worse. I think actually in this generation, we've seen the quality of racing games only go up, at least in terms of having more creative ideas, whether it was from Split Second and Blur, or just better executions of older ideas, such as Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. I'm really actually very interested to try out Ridge Racer Unbounded, which is another hybrid. I, I think what he's he's misplacing is that usually at the start of a console generation, there's not a lot of options to buy, and racing games are a lot easier to develop than like a full huge open world game because it's pretty simple. Racetracks, vehicles, it's easy to get out there and be early in the development, be early in a console launch cycle, and people don't have a lot of games to choose from. And so, yeah, racing games do well. But I don't think that it's purely dependent upon technology, like he's talking about. I also wouldn't say that it's more than other genres. I would say other genres probably need more advanced talk technology, especially when it comes to rendering, AI, than racing does. But maybe that was a little bit of rage. Also, potential rage could come from Bayonetta 2 being shelved if you loved the sexy librarian zany action of the original Bayonetta. Apparently there was going to be a sequel developed, but Sega is having some huge issues, had a major company-wide restructuring, and possibly Bayonetta 2 was one of the shelved titles. Uh, Tara, did you play Bayonetta? Oh my god, yes, I love that game. It's fantastic. I love it too. I am a huge fan of that style, though. You know, that DMC type Mm -hmm. style. I loved it. It was wonderful. 
And I have no idea why people associate librarians with glasses. <laughs> Can you say I that never... again? She looks like Sarah Palin on, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, Bay- Bayonetta is not appealing to me. Uh, oh, my God. The untapped sexuality of the of the the librarian with glasses on? No. <laughs> no. Oh my it, god. It's a, it's a man it's a man thing, Terry. It's, it's not okay. it's not look, it's not just a man thing, okay? You will... I can appreciate I can appreciate a sexy librarian lady. But just because somebody is wearing glasses in a game, they fix this sexy librarian it, image to them. Yeah. And that that is what annoys me. Just because oh, they're wearing glasses think... doesn't mean that they're a librarian. <laughs> Mark, you don't have any issues with this, do you? No, me either. I'm already, I'm already googling sexy librarian. <laughs> for, right. Reddit she, has a really good. Subreddit I'm going to go on mute mode for a while here. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Tara, I would agree with you at least in terms of being disappointed if Bayonetta two doesn't come out. Are you going to get Lollipop Chainsaw? Yes. I'm pretty intrigued. It could be awesome. Could be. Could be. Uh, grasshopper, hit or miss for me. We'll but see. We'll see, yeah. What we won't be knowing anything about new games, at least not at E3, is Valve. Valve has once again gone to the record. This is almost an annual tradition to say, we're not announcing anything new at E3. No games that end with a 3 in their title, whether it's Half-Life 3 or Portal 3 or Left 4 Dead 3. None of those games are going to be shown, but Valve will have a presence. They'll be showing off Counter-Strike Go and also Dota 2. Oh, Big good. Star, I don't so think nothing so. good then. Whose name could be changed at any second now. I'm, I'm going to, I know that we promised tangents and I'm, I'm here to provide one. I found a, a top ten list of occupations inaccurately associated with sexiness. Number, <laughs> number ten is the cowboy. Um, from all reports, the reality is not so great. Uh, number nine is teacher. Definitely not good, especially when you get your report card. Um, let's see. Number eight is animal trainer. That's what? Just, when is that what? sexy? That's, that's just not uh, right. That's kind of out there. Number, yeah. number seven is police. Definitely mm. not good. Only in porn. Arrest me. Number six. <laughs> you're right. Porn porn police ladies are pretty good. But oh, um, Number yeah. six fantasy is female tennis player. Well, you don't really need to fantasize about that because... Yeah, you just have to turn it on. As my good friend Matt said, you just turn on the female um, tennis playing stuff and yeah. go to sleep in your lounge chair and you're set. Um, just turn up the volume. Yeah. <laughs> like, number five. Yeah, number five comes in at librarian, and they oh, cite yeah. Tina Fey as like the ultimate example of that look, which is funny because she plays Sarah Palin, which we're complaining about. Number four, porn star. I just don't agree with them that that's inaccurate. Number three, oh. um, flight attendant. Yeah, I could see it. Um, it's bag. It's the Mile no, High Club, baby. And Jason here is living the dream because number two is nurse, and we all know that's oh, yeah. what his wife does for a living. And number one, lifeguard. 
which I also yeah. don't see. I've been disappointed with lifeguards before. Yeah. They never that. save me when I pretend I'm drowning in the kiddie pool. <laughs> oh, come on, Noah. We all know you watch Baywatch. <laughs> Every night. I'm going through the third season for the fourth time. No. Oh, yeah. I bet you are. That's all right. It. Sorry about that. Our next new developments question, I just am curious to ask Mark, probably not so much Jason and Tara, what do you think this supremacy thing is that's coming from Riot Games? Riot has gone out and reserved like 50 different misspellings of League of Legends supremacy and also has spent a pretty pretty penny on reserving just supremacy.com. It's funny that you singled me out as the person that might be able to answer that question because... I had already looked into it, and I looked at, of course, the Wikipedia article on Unreal Tournament, because we all know that nobody innovates beyond the point of Unreal Tournament 1. Um, and so <laughs> what it came up with was um, Domination is the game type that ultimately led to Dominion. So I was trying to figure that out for w- what they're talking about with Supremacy. The game types available in Unreal Tournament were Deathmatch, Team Deathmatch, Capture the Flag, Domination, Last Man Standing and Assault. None of nothing else fits except for maybe Assault. Um, I would say Assault or King of the Hill. King of the Hill, but that would still be a, like a Last Man Standing type thing. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So, so I think the only team-based one that fits is Assault, and this game type is played with two opposing teams, one assaulting a base and the other defending it. The map set with a number of objectives, and I think it maybe is the object- objectives aren't so much you know, progressing from one base to the other with three possible corridors to choose from, but actual, like, spelled out objectives. You must do this, you must do that, you must do the other, and you must do faster. And some of the objectives could be, like, destroy this boss monster, you know, things like that that each team has to try to struggle to do while being interfered with with the other team. You could call me kind of silly, but I think it's probably going to be something like that. So you think it'll be in the League of Legends world versus a new original game? Yeah. Interesting. That's a pretty interesting hypothesis. I like that. We will probably find out at around PAX if the previous timing of Dominion domain reservation is followed, which was four months before it was announced, five months before it was released. And that's funny that you should mention PAX because that's why I'm so pissy for this episode. (laughs) We are. So tangent of a tangent here. Uh, (laughs) So we can only assume our announcement that we were going to be at PAX would be the reason why all of the passes sold out within less than 24 hours. Yeah. But leaving us out of that. (laughs) Clearly, because we didn't say it last year and it took three weeks. But this year we said we're going there and it was sold out in five hours, I think it was. Yeah, well, the the three-day passes were and then... Of course, the Friday and Saturday passes, because apparently nobody wants to go on Sunday. Those sold out shortly thereafter, and then Sunday was left over, and who the hell is going to fly to Seattle for a one-day pass to PAX? Not me! I was pissed. So we may end up going to Dragon Con, but, you know, we're not going to confirm that, because we don't want you all taking all the Dragon Con yeah. membership. We may or may not go to Dragon Con. <laughs> In the cosplay not. gear. Full cosplay. <laughs> Noah will, of course, revise his role as Cammy. <laughs> I will, I will, of course, go as Mark the Podcaster. No. I eagerly await that, Noah. Scott, <laughs> Scott will go as a evil. 
he'll go as some sort of evil um, accounting company acquiring of uh, acquirer of other accounting companies. See, Mark, I don't get how I'm the only one that's actually cosplaying, and the two of you are just being who you are. We are cosplaying. It'll be oh, cos- come on. You don't want to cosplay as Cammy. <laughs> don't. It's the thong causes... I've tried it, and the thong really causes like a lot of problems for me. Not to mention the leg shaving and applying the... Uh, the army military body paint to your thighs. Mostly it's the shaving that bothers me, but <laughs> I digress. Yeah, so our our vacation plans are in the air, but we will let you know maybe after we've thoroughly confirmed it <laughs> before we oh, are punished again. It's no vacation. It's a working session. <laughs> <laughs> Especially wow. when we're in costume. But you know what would be really funny if we go to Dragon Con, we should totally like just like do an announcement that we're gonna be there and we're gonna do like our own thing, and we should like be like <laughs> the worst dungeon masters ever. You know what I mean? Like kill everyone in the first five minutes except for one person, so it continues. But then just torture that person. Like, we could read some, like, um, Terry Goodkind books beforehand, so we're ready to just torment our, our poor little um, <laughs> players. And oh, just, God, like, no. all kinds of horrible things, and we'll tie it all up in, like, Ayn Rand philosophy, objectivism. <laughs> It'll be perfect. I think, I think maybe now that, I've, now that I've switched gears, I'm actually kind of inspired to do it. But it's going to be done in a way that will be pure evil. <laughs> That's why you like it. That's why I like it. So our last pot of gold, sunshine moment, and our intro getting at the end of the new development section. It's an update on Kickstarter, which has been a popular topic over here in Channel Massive. So far, over $20 million have now been pledged to video game projects on Kickstarter. If not game projects in general, there may be some card games and some other stuff in there. And most recently, the Leader Sue Larry remake has been approved. It, it exceeded its funding by 150000 and... Shadowrun Returns has also been another winner with $1.8 million pledged. What, like, what new sexual diseases has come out you know, between the, when the time that Leisure Suit Larry came out and now that, that we can give this guy? I don't know. <laughs> AIDS? There's a lot. Is there, is there anything else that's come out? I mean, I'm, just, I'm not very familiar with no, this. None, so. of the, none of the classic diseases would, would be applicable. I mean, I knew you could get herpes in that game, but, I mean... What? I mean, we've got to, like, modernize it, I don't it, think the roofies were really in, in the dating scene. Ah, that's, that's a good oh, one. So they, could, they could update it with some roofies. There we go. The, or uh, what, what's the other one? G, G, Man. G. That's- that's true. If I was single again, man, roofies would totally be in my arsenal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just so, trying to think how they can modernize the Bleezer Suit Larry story a little bit. I don't feel so good. I think I'm going to throw a baby. That's just pillow talk. Come on. <laughs> just relax. Just, just move your head over the side of the couch. Do you I agree? Your face anyway. Are you ready for love? Just nod your head. Oh, yeah, you're fine. <laughs> My name is Candy. Of course you are. <laughs> All of these fantastic Kickstarter projects, have any of you guys pledged any money to the ones that have been made golden? Fuck no. It's I my pledged money. to Shadowrun. I've, I've pledged to quite a few of the games on there. I can't remember all of them. I see a cool idea. I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll throw some there. Nice. 
Having, I, had a, well, I, I, I want had a nice to see I want to see people succeed in gaming. Yeah, Mark. <laughs> I, I, I had to, no. You were correct. I had an idea. There's a um, there's an old TSR game called Divine Right that is a board game, and these guys are str- the two people that own all the IP are struggling to release like the fifth version. It was due out last summer, like June, and they're still dicking around with it. And I was thinking about, I'm on this like uh, Yahoo um, group thing with them. I was thinking about telling them about Kickstarter and saying, you know, I don't know if your problem is financial or just motivation or whatever, but this might be a means by which you could get people to pledge to get your game done Mm -hmm. and get the damn thing out because I'm about tired of waiting for it. I, of course, I would say it in in a way that was far less confrontational and such. <laughs> sure, like you know. So, but, if you were uh, in Kickstarter, would you pledge to that? Yes, I would pledge probably a hundred bucks because on eBay you can buy the um, like Divine Right Third Edition, I think, for like three hundred twenty-five bucks generally. Mm-hmm. So, to be able to get my my greedy hands on that, like a hundred dollars, and it's something that reminds me of my childhood. I have nothing but fond memories of it. I think it would be really fun to play with our little gaming group that we get together. A hundred dollars would be, you know, would be like it'd bring out the altruistic uh, kind of um, dimension of my personality. Sure, I would gladly let smothered. everybody suffer in other countries and such, but then really need my money. But yeah, yeah, the part that I usually beat down every morning when I wake up is part of my daily affirmations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I wonder where we're going to be a year from now. What is it going to be like? What games are going to have been released? How many of them are, them are going to be successful versus disappointing? Or how have them? There's, there was even just recently a, a, a Kickstarter fraud that happened where somebody's like, hey, we're going to make this cool game, and it was totally a fraud. They oh, got closed and shut down. Did I, I not warn have, you about this? There have been three this. that I have heard of, of that, where the people have just taken the money and fucking vanished. Hmm. I, I know a um, personal story of a friend of mine who developed some pretty um, pretty cool electronics, and a guy came to help him do marketing, stole all his plans, fired up a Kickstarter project, and ran off with like $21,000. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yep. it's it's pretty. It's common. not just the video game industry that that can happen Darkness. in. It's it's a lot of crooks, a lot of scammers out there. Yeah, and with something like this, you you to not to think that something like this wouldn't happen is yeah. kind of naive. It is totally very no doubt. So, well, that's which is the, we're, we're we're the wasteland project. This is why no. we're announcing our channel massive Kickstarter. Project. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> Replace doubt. Replace us all with people you can actually handle. Just send us, you know, your pledge. And Jason, you were mentioning you you pledged to the the Wasteland project. Uh yeah, I did. I did. I I put uh, like fifty into it. But did you say it was your first RPG? I can't remember. Yeah, it's the first RPG that I had ever played. I mean, it came back. It came out like back in like eighty eight, eighty nine, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the first RPG that I. Had got into on a on a PC and it was just an amazing experience. It's something that got me into uh computer gaming and I love it. And so I said when I heard when I heard about this one I was like, oh yeah, I gotta do it. Plus I'm all about the post apocalyptic nightmare world. 
So um, I love I love me some Fallout, Fallout Two. You know, I, I love those games uh, to death. So this is something that's right up my alley. Excellent. Well, I hope that you all see something very fantastic in your respectively pledged games. And the same to you, listeners. Let us know if you have any comments on the many stories that we've already trucked through in our first hour of the show. <laughs> many <laughs> hours to come. Yeah. We will be continuing shortly getting into the most recent feedback that we have. If you want to contribute to next week's episode's feedback, send it into mail. M-A-I-L. At channelmassive.com. This episode of Channel Massive is sponsored by UGT Servers. When you order Ventrilo hosting from UGT, you get all of the powerful administration features hardcore gamers want and the ease of use that newbie gamers need. With 24-hour tech support, 13 locations worldwide, and a 15-day money-back guarantee, you'd be crazy not to check them out. Head to UGT-Servers.com for all of your Ventrilo hosting needs. Imagine all the girls, Welcome to our listener feedback section. This week we have one bit of email written in by Siren. Hello guys. Yes, I love to rant on used games. And you can call me, I don't know, Sauron. <laughs> that's why they put, that's what they put on my name tag at one of the E3s I went to. Didn't mind that at all, but sorry that they didn't. Uh, go all the way with the A as well. That's a misspelled Sauron, by the way. Yeah, it's Sauron. And you're Sauron. <laughs> I am very sour. And you're right. The name is somewhere between Siren and Soren. I'll accept all pronunciations if you let me get away with bad grammar. And by that, he means grammar in English, and he's uh, obviously a, a speaker of a another language, which I will assume he is quite adept at uh, spelling. But anyway, um, disclaimer. The opinions listed below unrelated to the companies I work for. So that I'm basically saying he's not a corporate shill for EA like Noah is. Um, so <laughs> for used games, Mark is right. Well, that's no surprise. <laughs> we could all learn a little bit from Siren. Mark is right that it's a consumer right to be able to sell stuff you don't want anymore. Before GameStop, I bought used games on user groups and eBay. I guess that's where I find Mark's used guitar also. Oh, no, I never sell my guitar. <laughs> my hypothetical used guitar, yes, but uh, no. Um, but GameStop is making used games their main source of income. I can't blame them, I guess. On a new game, they get around 30% of the price, and on a used game, 100%. In all the GameStops I've been to, they use five to ten times as much self shelf space on used games as that on new. And I still haven't experienced a bookstore where the staff tries to sell a used book instead of a new one. I sure can't afford to buy all the games I want, so I buy used games as well. But there's no denying that it's bad for business that they don't get a cut. Sorry. <laughs> that was the longest comma ever. Um, the big AAA titles will always manage to survive. I hope, but the middle-sized games struggle. The cost of making a game is insane compared to a few years ago. A moose head on a wall used to be a painted texture. Now it's a detailed model with normal maps, 
specularity and other fancy stuff needed in a modern-looking game. And then there's AI, render stuff, and network, and the rest. Um, smaller games like Brutal Legend and Bayonetta are just not affordable to make, and the publishers will not even let them try in the future unless something happens. I don't think Tim Schafer picked Kickstarter out of pure curiosity, but more out of desperation. I read somewhere that on average less than 10 full-price games are sold per console's life cycle, an indication that games are too expensive. Price of games must go down. Wow, there's a nod to Jason's point earlier. Developers need money to investigate new IPs, not just make sequels. There's only one way around it as I see it. The price must go down a lot on games, but then each copy sold must return some kind of money to the developer. If we still want to see the more alternative, quirky games in the zone between indie and AA titles. I'm sure that if either of the new consoles decide to make it impossible or less attractive to buy used games, the publishers would be standing in line to provide exclusives for them. Mm. Publishers are already trying to find ways to make used games less attractive. But wouldn't it be better if the, developer, <laughs> the developers used the energy to make the core game a better experience instead? I tried to find out how much the developer gets from each new sold copy of game. I only find this from Eurogamer. And he quotes an article from Eurogamer.net, uh, which says, Where does my money go? Article. But it's clear that a lot of expenses could be cut if games are sold more directly from developer to customers. Siren. Your thoughts, people? Uh, in the mortal words of uh, myself, duh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's kind of a hybrid of some of the stuff that Jason mentioned as well as some of the stuff that the Dice guy said where it's prices need to go down so that developers can make new IPs to make people more excited to buy games, which is, I don't know, I probably totally mingled that line of logic, but it's really interesting to hear it from the point of view of someone who works at a video game company that it's not out of line. It's just how do you, especially when a new console generation launches, from what I understand, just the amount of investment to ramp your entire team up to handle that technology, to be trained on it, to purchase it, to purchase the hardware that you need, the software that you need, and the time that's necessary to develop a game, it's really chicken and the egg. I wonder how... how will Because cheaper games won't be the same as the games that we play now, so therefore, how will they be different? Will they be shorter? Will there be cartoony art styles? I don't know. What do you guys think? I think you're going to see a mix of, of those kind of ideas, Matt, uh, Mr. Ward. Uh... <laughs> Mr. Ward. Actually, I think you you've kind of seen it happen already in in a game like uh, like the new Alan Wake. The new Alan Wake series is kind of being cut and you know into little chunks to be bought at little you know bite sized portions. Yeah, cereal stuff that are affordable that are affordable but look you know like AAA quality. And I think you're gonna you're gonna see a little bit more of that. You know, they tried to do that with the uh, with Fable Two, I believe. Oh yeah, they put they out, did. Yeah, yeah, they made up. Those were <coughs> great little little episodes too. Yeah, they made uh, Fable Two episodic. Excuse me, I'm kind of choking here. He's dying. 
Yeah, I'm dying. I'm dying. <laughs> Somebody call 911. But yeah, they made that episodic, and I, I could see a little bit more of that uh, happening. Any further thoughts? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that a point that I kind of had made earlier when we, when I was in my angst uh, mode um, was really developers don't really need all these middlemen to distribute their games anymore. Now, I know that's different for the 360 where you need to theoretically deliver, uh, you know, a DVD or the PlayStation 2 or I guess any of the consoles. But a lot of um, the indie games that are out for the 360 can be bought by the with the, um, you know, like Xbox Arcade or whatever the hell it is. So why not just totally glom onto the digital distribution model and cut out all these middlemen that, um, you know, are basically taking a cut every step of the way? Yep. I mean, it seems like that's, that's the way to go. Mm -hmm. Um, and as soon as all of the consoles are fully, you know, on board with that, with, you know, nodding ahead towards Nintendo, who's just kind of the kid that does his own thing. You know, um, those, the yeah, those, yeah, those crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's the kid that you know. They're like, "That's good, Timmy. That's good that you're not drooling today." Um, but you know, oh, poor Nintendo. With with Sony and and uh, Microsoft obviously getting it, um, you know, as soon as that happens, then you could cover PC and two of the three consoles. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I just well, Nintendo did go on the record just this last week that still that they're, that they're going to sell their games both retail and digital starting in August, and for Wii U, many of the games will be available in either format uh, for the same price. But if you buy a downloadable card or downloadable code for a game at GameStop, GameStop will have the liberty to sell that card for less than the retail price if they so choose. So Nintendo is finally going to try to catch up with it in a big way, but we'll see how successful that is. I yeah. honestly don't. I, I just don't see why every company just doesn't go full digital right now. I really don't. I, it's it's like someday you've got to get in the 21st century and give up on having some kind of physical media um, tied to your game. You just have to do it. And, and you would think your books. If you do that, then every time you sell the game, you will get money for it, and it can't be resold, and you'll be set. That, <laughs> duh. I, I know. Again. It, I mean, I know it's obvious, but there are C level people out there that don't seem to understand that, and they struggle with it. And it's like, it's a different kind of product. You have to just adapt to, you know, to not survive, but to excel. And that's what they're complaining about. They're not, they're all surviving, but all of them wish they had a bigger piece of the pie. And that's how you do it. You just have to get with the times. Yep. It'll happen. It'll happen. It'll just take a little while. It's going to happen during the next generation. I think that's going to be the generation that breaks the physical retail. Do you think we'll finally see? Because I, I like having physical copies of the games that I love. You know, I go through a lot of games, trading in and buying used and even renting. But the games that I love, like all of the Assassin's Creed games, you know, the Fallout games, 
Silent Hill games, Star Ocean games, I keep those. I have the physical copies, and I love them. And it will be sad when I can no longer get a physical copy of every single Final Fantasy game ever made, which I have. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tara, I, I thought I'd feel the same way, but, I, you know, I really don't. I really don't care for all the clutter, to be honest. I, and, you know, I, I, I really did. I was kind of like on in the same boat as you. I was like, oh, God, you know, it would be so cool to just have like a, a like a library that I can go to. You know, and just, you know, it's kind of like a collection and show it off to everybody. Um, and I, I just don't feel that way anymore. I, I, I don't. I, I think that... But I don't I, even I, want to show them off. Just have like, them. It's not even so much that. I mean, I, I know that it's like the tactile feel of a of a cloth map. You know, oh, that, yes. that, you know something like that. You know, things like and and that's all cool and all. It's just I, I don't know. I, I I just it's not that important to me anymore. <gasps> I guess in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I guess my ultimate day, uh, my ultimate days are over, right? Where I had all that. Stuff right, that right. It's like, yeah. And yet, cool, you bought but... the collector's edition of Diablo three. <laughs> so those days, so those days are almost over. <laughs> this is the last hurrah. <laughs> That's right. Thank you very much, Siren, for writing in a, a fantastic email. I'd be interested to hear what everybody out there thinks about the transition to pure digital games. If you think that that's first of all going to be the solution to solving the problems that publishers and developers are having, is it potentially a solution to the pricing issue? Would this result in lower prices overall once that transition is made. And also, last but not least, do you also have a, a certain nostalgia or a fondness of having physical copies of games versus being purely digital? you more on the tear side of things or the Jason side of things? Let us know at mail. M-A-I-L. At channelmassive.com. Slight delay. <laughs> now we're going to get into what we've been playing. Uh, Mark? Yes, sir? So, Tara, what have you been playing? Oh, I didn't know it was that kind of segment. What are you wearing? I don't mean what are you playing, what are you wearing? Uh, tank top. Ooh. Continue. <laughs> it's all very boring. Gym oh. stuff. No super short shorts. Damn it. No, sorry. No mini skirt. All right, well, we'll, we'll have to make do as well we can. <laughs> Put on your mini Excuse skirt. Excuse me. We're going to record the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me do something nice. She's in her sexy librarian outfit, of course. Of course. Well, <laughs> let me find my glasses. I'll put them on. Oh, yeah. Uh-uh. Oh, but you see, now I'm wearing my contacts as well, so everything looks very bizarre. That would be like <laughs> double correction. <laughs> wow. Well, aside from what you're wearing, what are you playing? <laughs> <laughs> that didn't sound well, creepy at all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get off of both of these things. Um. Checking out for Excuse a while. Excuse me while I go get some Kleenex. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I've been playing a bit of uh, Journey, which I've been having a lot of fun in. And uh, 
because I was playing Journey, it got me in the mood to play Flow and Flower again. So I've played a bit of those as well. Um, I've been playing a lot of Oblivion because I found some really cool mods. And I've been playing a fuckload of Mass Effect 2 for the 360. <laughs> How much is a fuckload? Uh, this week, 71 hours. Whoa. <laughs> Well, it's be- when I played it before, I played it on the PC, and uh, that was a mistake. <laughs> I, why was that a mistake? Oh, well, Just... I don't usually like uh, those type of games on the PC, but a friend bought it for me, so that's why I only played it there. Ah, like, uh, nice. I had this issue with Borderlands as well. I played Borderlands on the PC, fucking hated it. I played it on the 360, one of my favorite games. That's crazy. And I managed to get through Mass Effect 2 on the PC in like 24, 25 hours. But now I've spent this astronomical amount of time. <laughs> yeah, a 25-hour 25 play period for a, for a Mass Effect 2 playthrough is kind of unusual. Yeah, and I thought that I had done everything, but I guess I hadn't. And uh, no, not even close. <laughs> so I beat it. I beat it, and I, w- I set down the controller, and I was like. It's not enough. So I went and I bought all of the DLC. And the next day, when it was all downloaded and everything, I got up and I went to get my... Uh, uh, I like ha- I'd made this other character that I wasn't going to play. And I deleted it, only to realize that I had deleted my main Mass Effect 2 no. file. Oh. It's my own fault for that naming... That is so painful. the same thing. But that was like 49 hours... The only only raptor knows that I ever had that 49 hours now. So I started again, and I'm I'm well into this next playthrough. And the DLC is amazing. The Shadow Broker DLC. Yeah, oh, that is very, very fun. Very fucking incredible. Especially at the end with Liara, the Commander's Quarters. Oh yeah, I love it. Well, if you if you did uh, any of you romance Liara in the first one and bring that into the second one? Um, I didn't, but Jack was kind of like my main squeeze in, in Mass Mm. Effect 2. I don't like her. But if you, if you romanced Liara in the first one and you haven't romanced anybody else by the end of the Shadow Broker one, then there is a hot scene when you bring (laughs) Liara onto the Normandy to reminisce for a bit and Shepard's Oh Yeah. The same yeah. thing happens if you romance Jack. You can there's like a little nice little thing that you get in Mass Effect Three, which is pretty cool. Oh. Ah, I appreciate you all keeping the spoilers to a minimum. Yeah, oh, I as try. always. Oh, I can spoil it all for you. Although my first easy there. My first playthrough. <laughs> Don't I tempt me, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> My first playthrough, I romanced Garrus, which was interesting. <laughs> Provided some oh, hilarious yeah. lines. Oh my god, it was well funny. Uh, anyway. Did he tell you? Did he tell you like he was sorry that he just thought you as a friend or something like that? No, there were some very strange metaphors and uh, really <laughs> talking about. Uh-huh. Not to take anything orally because it causes hallucinations. <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> You'll awesome. have an allergic reaction. I was like, whoa, Garrus. <laughs> but anyway, I love so Garris. it's cool. 
Yeah, the majority of my playtime for like the last week has been Journey and Mass Effect 2. Nice. I highly recommend. Yeah, I'm going to say that I was wrong about Mass Effect 2. And that's because I played it on the PC version. I'm so glad you turned around on that. I thought you were on crack for saying that. Well, I thought that I must have been going fucking insane. Because, you know, Mass (laughs) Effect was just an incredible game. You know how much I loved that. And I just, I couldn't believe how awful it was. But two different game mediums portray game console. That's pretty much all my PC is. And Damn your PC. You know what? You know what this says to you, Terror? Get rid of your PC. Just get <laughs> Well, two different consoles could make such a, a huge difference. And it's just because of the controls. I absolutely hated the controls on the PC, but yeah, Noah playing through them all again made me think about Mass Effect 2 again. And so I <laughs> That, that's what really prompted me to go out and get it. Well, speaking of which, what about you, Noah? Well, after having an apartment hunt waylay in, into my gaming time, I got back into gaming in a big way. I had a buddy over to go through a gauntlet of games because he's just gotten a 360. And so I just, of course, had to inundate him with options, and we only got through half of it, pretty much focusing on PS3 to play some 3D games such as Super Stardust HD and Uncharted Three, and did we now? Do you have a Do you have a 3D monitor or television? Yeah, mm-hmm. you do. Oh man, yeah, it's 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 really cool. Oh. I, I'm really into it. I'm totally a 3D geek now. I didn't think it would happen because I got the television primarily for wanted a bigger screen and I wanted something thin versus my gigantic, you know, 200 pound box television. I'm like, well, you know, if it's not going to make a big price difference, I'll do the 3D thing. What the hell? And I've totally fallen in love with it. So I did that, played a, a bunch of Wipeout HD, which is really terrific to play a really fast, futuristic racer with 3D effects enabled. It's kind of pukey at some points, but it was, it's all worth it. And we played a bunch of Dead Nation, another downloadable title on PSN. It's a top-down zombie shooter with co-op gameplay. Actually really fun. I like it. It's, it's really well done. Wait, 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 wait. He just got a 360 and you played a bunch of PS3 games with him? Yeah, because he was wanting to see. He had originally wanted to get a PS3. It was out of stock when he went ah. to get a Black Friday sale. So they got the 360 instead because he had to had to had to play Skyrim, <laughs> and uh, and he just really wanted to see stuff that he definitely couldn't play. And I had a whole stack of 360 games, which we will save, I guess, for the next time that we hang out and play <laughs> those. We played a little bit of Resident Evil Five, and I hadn't touched it in uh, probably about a year. And I forgot that a year ago I'd done a super manic playthrough of everything, unlocking all the costumes, unlocking <laughs> characters and mercenaries, had unlimited bullets and my gun and my machine gun. And so I was totally shooting without any regard, which is against Resident Evil gameplay. Where it's like, I can just shoot. I don't care if I'm accurate, whatever. Shoot them all. <laughs> but I also forgot that I'd left one of the costumes on. Uh, was, was, it her, was it her Red Riding Hood costume? Oh, no, it wasn't. I actually ended up playing as Chris. And I said, you can play as Sheva. And the costumes don't kick in until like five minutes into the game after you get through the introductory segment. And all of a sudden, Chris is wearing this total Mad Max gay <laughs> biker bar harness. <laughs> he's like half naked and he's got these big pilot cycles. So I'm like, oh! <laughs> he's like, and uh, Dan was like, whoa! And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> 
costume was applied. I'm like, why why did you have it's... that costume on him? A virtual <laughs> wardrobe malfunction. Funny. It's hilarious to, to see because it's totally ridiculous, as most Resident Evil alternate costumes were. Yeah. Uh, and he was playing a Sheva, but he was playing a regular account. I'm like, you know, she does have a prostitute and sexy librarian costume. <laughs> but unfortunately, you can't see those because you're using a regular account, on a, a, a generic account on my 360. So we played a little bit of that. And then on this Wednesday, played some uh, a bunch of uh, Prince of Persia. I'm going to finally finish that old game as I, as I continue to blaze a trail through games that were released five years ago and finally finishing them. And I also played a bunch of Xenoblade. Got to have watch somebody else start it out fresh, and he was already set against liking it. But I'm like, oh, but look, there's this, and there's this, and there's this. Like, I really like this game. I could see myself losing a lot of time to this game. I'm like, yes. So another yeah. terrific RPG. Unfortunately, it's Wii exclusive. If you don't have a Wii, you won't get to try it out. But it is really well done. It's a nice hybrid Such of... MMO combat mechanics and just a massive world with so many quests, so many things to do and uh, really, really well done. I'm hoping though, that once I get a little bit more free time back in that I can juggle both that and mass effect two. I'm currently only about an hour and a half into mass effect two. just landed at Omega to go pick up the zany. Uh, is it Tur? And it's not Turin. It's the Solarian uh, party. Yeah. Morden. The Gordon, doctor or professor right. or whatever. Gordon yeah, Solis. yeah, probably, probably the best character in the whole series. No that's what way. I, that's what I yeah, he is awesome. No. But I'm not going to get into this with you right now, Tara. I'm just not. <laughs> <laughs> well, for my first game, my main go-to party people were Garrus and Kaiden, sometimes Rex. And I never had anybody else because I just was really obsessed with balancing out the red, blue, purple bars Whenever I send an away team, I'm like, I need to have balance. I can't have someone go down there that doesn't have any combat experience. So, yeah, that's how that kind of worked out. But we'll see how it shakes out in Mass Effect 2, which has such a completely different UI for who knows what the hell reason for. Uh, it doesn't really Better emphasize UI. that. It is. It had to be done, Noah. It, I'm, I'm sure it'll grow on me. It's just really jarring for me to have spent a whole bunch of time focusing on and just loving Mass Effect 1 and then jumping immediately into Mass Effect 2 versus the rest of the world that had like a two-year break <laughs> in between that. And like, oh, wow, this is different. Not quite how I remembered it two years ago, but it's okay. Where it's like, whoa, this yeah, is totally tr- different. Trust me, it's it's so much better. You're, you're not going to miss it after a while. Yeah, I, I'm sure I'm going to love it. I mean, I really like a lot of the other changes so far. I don't like managing fuel and ammo still, but everything else is so really cool. So we'll see where that goes. And then, yeah. Diablo 3 is coming up, so I don't know how actually I'm going to balance all this stuff out, but that wraps up what I've been playing. No League of Legends. Haven't played it in probably about a month. How sad. Mark? What have I been playing? (sighs) I've been playing that Star Wars The Old Republic game. So I got to... uh, I finally... I haven't played any League of Legends. I've just been concentrating on one game. I got to level 50... And finished my um, my whole player story thing, uh, which was really cool. It was it was a good, it, it was well paced and it had a nice you know like climax and then a good you know flow to it and everything. And I I really enjoyed it. And um, I don't know. I thought as soon as I finished it, like I I kind of did with World of Warcraft. Whenever I maxed out a character, I was just kind of like would have this 
feeling of, oh, I've, I'm done, kind of, even though there's way much more you're supposed to do it in-game. But I've actually been kind of working on the in-game stuff. So I'm, I've been playing a lot of PvP in the game and trying to kind of build up my armor. And I'm screwing around with the legacy system and um, trying to make sure that I can do the same thing with my uh, my sorcerer. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been really enjoyable. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just, I see every, every game that I could potentially play up till, you know, D-Day, May 15th, Diablo 3 launches as kind of futile, but, um, I'm enjoying it. That's been about it. I haven't played, um, I haven't played anything on the iPhone or, uh, lately. I haven't, the console games, I'm just playing, uh, Marvel, uh, Ultimate Alliance with my son and kind of enjoying him getting better and better at the, the you know, the game, the console games and stuff. So um, we've, we've, I think I mentioned last week we finished um, Spider-Man Friend or Foe, which was cool for him to experience like the end of a, an actual game and watch the credits scroll and stuff. So mm-hmm. doing it with Marvel Ultimate Alliance and um, getting my gamer score back up on uh, Xbox Live. <laughs> so, that's been about it. Nice. Jason, what about what? you? What have you been playing? I've been playing, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I really haven't been playing a whole hell of a lot, but I guess uh, two games uh, that come to mind, actually three, uh, two are the, the Trials games, uh, Trials HD, oh, yeah. uh, Trials Unlimited, I don't know why I never got into these games before. I really don't. Uh, it's kind of shocking that I've just, I just... I thought that I wouldn't like them. When you look at it in the service, you're like, oh, it's a cheesy motorcycle yeah. racing game. It's yeah, easy to stereotype that's, and say, that's, that's exactly kind of it. Not that's my kind exactly of it. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't like these. And then I started playing the trial for Trials Unlimited... And next thing I knew, three hours later, I was still playing it and just totally addicted. So I finally just, yeah, I finally decided, okay, I just, I may as well just buy this thing. And then I went out and and I was like, okay, I got to buy Trials HD too, because I just, I must've just missed something. So I bought them both. I've been playing them both quite a bit. Um, I love them. I mean, the, the controls are very simplistic, uh, Easy to learn, hard to master is basically what it is. They're just so so much fun. It's like Excitabike uh, on steroids is basically, yeah, that's kind of what I think about it. It It's just fantastic. I I love it. You can pick that game up and and play it for 15, 30 minutes, or you could play it for three hours straight. Yeah, Mark, Uh, speaking of, that'd be a great game for you to try with your kid, too. I bet he would really like it. Yeah, that's a good point. To, yeah, to they're into that. they're really fun. They're really fun. Uh, the other game that I've been playing is uh, Batman: Arkham City, uh, which you know I, I like. I, I played Arkham Asylum. I think that what what Rocksteady decided to do was is they just said, "Well, we're going to use what we did in Arkham Asylum and make it ten times bigger." And so they they made Arkham City. It's more of an open world um, kind of game. Um, I think it has more elements of a uh, you know Grand Theft Auto. You know, it's it's more open world where you can go kind of explore the world, just 
kill bad guys for a while. You don't really have to follow the main storyline all that much unless you want to. You know, it, it kind of gives you different options, different side missions. So it, they've they've kind of Grand Theft Auto did up a little bit, I think, and and that makes it uh, makes it a little bit better. Um, graphically, uh, I don't think it's improved all that much over the first one. Uh, but overall, I, I think it's a pretty solid game. Uh, it's I've, I've been having a really good time with it. Uh, yeah, other than that, you know, I, I really haven't been doing a whole hell of a lot else. Did you try out uh, Fez or the new Walking Dead game? No, I haven't, but I, I did see Fez. I've seen it. Uh, it seems like it's a really cool-looking platformer. And I, I was... I, I got a... I got a Microsoft points card the other day for, uh, it was like a late birthday present. And I was like, mm, I might want to put that towards that. I don't know. Yeah, you should try out the trial. It's pretty cool. It's got this awesome Tron 80s style soundtrack that's really well done. Did you, Ed, yeah. Sarah, have you tried those? Trials? N- not Trials, um, Fez or The Walking Dead game. Oh, no, I've not. I've heard of The Walking Dead game. I have no interest in it. I don't know what the other one is. Okay, just curious. <laughs> the Walking Dead. It's pretty good. Can, can you kill Carl in it? That's the only thing that really concerns me. <laughs> Damn, it's a Carl. totally different cast of characters, but it's pretty well done for an adventure game. It's got Damn. exploration. It's got moral decisions where characters will remember things that you say, and it says so on the screen. It's like Clementine will remember that. Sean noticed you what you just said. It's like creepy, <laughs> and you have to make decisions quickly. There's a timer that goes down, um, and then there's zombie attacks that are actually pretty scary. And you wouldn't expect it to be that way in an adventure game, but it's well done. Yeah, honestly, if I can't kill Carl, I'm not interested. <laughs> God, I hate that kid. I hate that show. You do. Yeah, I just. I think it's it okay. I just. I don't, I don't think that it's. I think it's. I, I like it more for the cheese factor more than anything else. Mm-hmm. I think it's really cheesy, and I really can't relate to any of the characters. I kind of. I, I kind of think that personally, if I was going to be in a zombie apocalypse, I wouldn't want any of those people on my side. Yeah, <laughs> kill them all. They're not very smart either. No, they aren't. They're stupid. They keep going back. From, why don't they just get everything at once? I know. I know. And fortify <laughs> their campsites. Fuck's sake. <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. Well, Mark, is this a wrap of our, our what we're playing? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think we've decided <laughs> that people aren't as devoted to Walking Dead as they need to be. <laughs> Therefore, we're going to have a talk just for a brief moment. Yeah, we're going to take a brief break. <laughs> kind of set a tone. All right, our first roundtable topic is going to be about what we've learned with Diablo 3's auction house, particularly that it's going to have a bunch of fees. So... We've known for a while that Diablo 3 was going to have some kind of auction house that was more strictly regulated than perhaps what people have been experienced with in terms of World of Warcraft. Now, I am no expert in the World of Warcraft auction house. I'm not sure how it flows, but there's been a general awareness that 
auction house is going to be another source of revenue for Blizzard as far as Diablo 3 is going, so that there wasn't some seedy black market where people were scamming each other out of virtual items. So Blizzard's like, hey, we're going to be the good guys here. We're going to offer this really great auction house. But as it turns out, there's going to be a lot of little surcharges and fees when you do this. Basically, on every individual piece of item that is successfully sold, Blizzard's taking a $1 fee. So if you wanted to sell it for $0.25, that's going to be $1.25 with $1 going to Mr. Blizzard. As for stuff that is a commodity, crafting materials, raw materials like gems, precious metals, so on and so forth, stackable items, as Blizzard calls it, you'll get a 15% transaction fee. And then furthermore, if you want to have these funds put into a PayPal account, there's going to be another 15% fee on top of that. But you can avoid that little 15% PayPal fee if you put your money into a Battle.net account. But (laughs) if it's in there, you can only use that money to buy other Blizzard products. What do you guys think? You're going to be uh, really skeptical or angry about this? Do you think that it's fair? Is it too much skimming off of the top? I think if people are going to sell things for real money from a game, then they should uh, get fucked up the ass. Oh, yeah, do tell. I totally agree. I don't think that, uh, well... I don't what exactly really do you mean by fucked up the ass, Tarek? You, uh, well, she means it upon she, that statement. She means in a loving way. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't really approve of uh, of of like the whole. It comes back to the whole uh, virtual things for real money. And I think if you're going to do that, then you should have these real life taxes put on the stuff that you buy and sell. But this is brilliant, Tara. This is brilliant. Blizzard, Blizzard, this is the thing. Blizzard creates the digital content. This is brilliant. And then they get to sell it off, off of people who, yeah, who play the game. I mean, this is just, (laughs) this is awesome. This is like the epitome this is this yeah. is the pinnacle of of virtual item transaction right here. People who actually do this, I, I just I don't know. If any of you guys are going to do it, sorry, but I think it's stupid. And any transactions that you get ta- these huge taxes on, you deserve them. <laughs> what, what I <laughs> That's think is kind of. I under I, I recognize that a system like this requires. Blizzard employees to facilitate it, to maintain it. There's security questions involved, especially with real money credit cards flying around out there. That said, I feel that this is a little bit steep and it's not necessarily going to solve one of the quote unquote noble issues that Blizzard was trying to deal with about this black market and people going around the game and stuff. I think this is actually going to encourage it because this is so cumbersome and so fee happy that you're still probably going to have a really healthy black market, quote unquote, in addition to this one, because it's just really ripping people off. I mean, it's great they want to facilitate it, but if they're going to make it so fee, so many fees to make it work, just like, dude, why don't you just make this an MMO and charge a subscription fee already? But granted, what's cool is that they're not doing that. I mean, you can pay 
60 bucks and buy the single player game and you don't ever have to get into this and this is purely optional but it's just kind of money grubby to me there are people inevitably will do it because I'm sure it'll be very seamlessly integrated into the game system and that convenience will definitely be a a beneficial factor but uh, for instance when I talked about it with Ryan who is the big hardcore pro gamer and got really into World of Warcraft, League of Legends. Now he's really into Minecraft, of all things. Um, he thought this was really cool because he's like, wow, it's going to do away with all those scammers that are on the black markets. But I wonder if he would have the same opinion now that he, all these little additional fees and nickel and dime aspects have been introduced. No, no. See, this is what you don't understand is that why wouldn't Blizzard now that they have control, why wouldn't they flood the market with, oh, the occasional purple item, you know, oh, orange they item? Literally manipulate the the economy. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? I, I wouldn't put it. Back. I would. Like limited time only in the auction house, you can get such and mm-hmm. such. For, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally see them doing that. That's just the skeptic in me talking. They're just no. evil. Mark's not even that, defending them, not one bit. That's it's just no evil. Where are you, Mark? Is. Come on, Mark. I'm here. Talk to me. Talk to me. <laughs> Talk to me. <laughs> I just think that, you know, they looked at like all of the all of the stuff that happened with World of Warcraft where people were buying and selling accounts and doing all kinds of stuff on eBay and everything and they said, Hey, if this is gonna happen, we're gonna, you know, tax and tariff it ourselves and control it and make ourselves kind of the the you know the only point um that can can make through which this can occur and so i don't I, the article is some of it's kind of nonsensical like how it could cost a dollar real world money for any little trade i i don't think that makes much sense i think there's more information to be explained and revealed and i mean it's only not that I'm counting or anything, but it's only, you know, like 12 days and a few hours to go before Diablo 3 is <laughs> launched. And we can kind of understand exactly. <laughs> no, you're not You're not sitting there at the countdown counter. Right, right. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think we're going to kind of see what they're doing. But to me, it's logical that that is what they've they've kind of tried to do with it is say, hey, this is going to happen anyway, whether or not we're involved. We might as well get involved and get a piece of the 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 pie so to speak for the trading that occurs with this I, I don't think it seems incredibly evil to me what does seem screwed up is when you have websites that totally um revolve around you know gold selling and um account trades and stuff like that that are trying to make money off of a game and off the players so you know i don't know i i think it's an okay thing i'm not i'm not I'm going to toe the party line as a Blizzard fanboy and say, I think it's probably all right. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. I, no doubt. I, I can see why why they did it, of course, like you said. You know, it's going to happen anyway. They might as well make the money off it. But as long as people realize they are being taken advantage of. No, that that's it, Ter. That, that's exactly it. Well, who's, Blizzard who's saw advantage exactly, of them? Yeah. No, Blizzard saw exactly what was going on. They saw all the money that was to be made off of this kind of yeah. thing, and now they're going to take advantage of it. But but who, period. So how so? If it works like a regular auction house, 
and you're just trading in-game to in-game, they're not taking advantage of that. It's only if you're going to try to um, trade it with real-world money that they get a cut of the of the transaction, but you can't do that anyway in any other system. So I don't, I don't understand how they're taking advantage of anyone who wants to monetize the, basically the time they've invested in the game. We're not saying, I'm not saying they're taking advantage of anybody, Mark. I'm just saying that they got wise. Well, Terra says they're taking advantage of. No, I do think they are. It's just the complexity of the system. It's like if you do this, then we're going to do this fee. And if you do this, you're, it's, it's not simplified. It's like overly engineered. Well, there's only like different types of ways to, ways to, and it's like, it's not consistent. They could have just said, it's going to be a flat 15% fee for any transaction that's exchanged. We don't care what it is. And it's like, it's going to be a dollar in this case. It's going to be 15% in this case. And if you want to actually use PayPal, it's going to be, it's just, it's stupid. It's just, it's so over engineered. And that's what makes it seem Slimy. I mean, yeah, from a business perspective, hell yeah, it makes sense. It's like, let's get it, let's get a piece of this pie, as you put it, Mark. Totally makes sense. They're more power to them. It's not like it's against law or anything, but it's just the level of detail. Like, ah, oh, this is this when, they, especially when they espouse like noble goals at the beginning, to like hide, and then it's like really obvious that it, it's there's nothing really noble about this. It's just like it's a straight up business decision, money. And like decision. I said, man, what's to stop Blizzard from putting out like an epic item, and like you know putting out like an epic item here and there, and just saying, okay, here here it is. We're gonna flood the market with this particular, you know, epic yeah, item that's... for a while, and then we're gonna generate a shitload of sales, and da 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 da, da and that'll crush the market on that particular item, and then they'll go, okay, we're gonna pull that one off, we're going to put this one on. And you know that, that's what they're going to do. And I, I think it's brilliant. I really do. I also foresee this whole system going through so many changes. Yeah, that's because very true. Because it's, could... it's going to come out and they're going to see how it's actually going to break or, you know, whatever. And they're going to have to alter it. They're going to have to do things to it. So it's going to change. Yeah, very, very valid points. Uh, from everybody, and as and especially as Mark said, and and what you're also talking about here, we won't really know how this shakes out until it's actually out there. I mean, we can speculate a lot on it, have initial gut reactions to it, but we'll see how successful it is once the game comes out here in a couple of weeks, and Mark just burns through real world money like he did in League of Legends. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't. I won't spend a dime on it. I'll tell you that right now. I think that if you buy the items, if you if you're buying items for a game like that, then you're not playing it right. Now, if you sell them, I, th- to I those think Blizzard, who, I think Blizzard would disagree with you, Mark. No, I, well, that's fine with for them. But I think if you sell your items to people who don't want to invest the time and aren't really playing the game to play the game, as far as I'm concerned, then more power to you. That wraps up our first roundtable discussion. Our next one, our final one for the episode, is going to talk about the big news revealed just recently, the Elder, Elder Scrolls Online MMO is officially confirmed for next year. That's coming up next. So how many of the three of you are huge Elder Scrolls fans. 
me. Oh my god. Except I'm the not. first one. Arena was not a good game. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's it not bad. That's still like four other games, right? How about you, Jason? I I hate Elder Scrolls. <laughs> all all three hundred hours of Skyrim, right? Yeah. <laughs> I do not like it. Only 300? <laughs> Fucking slack. I just described. Yeah, I know. No, I'm, I'm actually, uh, I'm not, that's pretty sad, actually. Yeah, if you look at my Raptor page, you can see that I've played 291 hours of Skyrim, which is uh, insane. Oh, I can't really track it on Raptor because I have it on the PS3 and it doesn't track hours, but I have several game files that are over 80 hours each. Yeah, it's I'm I'm pretty pathetic. <laughs> it's like 291 hours of Skyrim. I'm like, well, maybe I have some issues. <laughs> How about you, Mark? I'm um, I kind of like it, but I'm I've never it's never hooked to me like Bioware titles have. For me, I, I've actually avoided the Elder Scrolls games, so I don't have an informed opinion of it. It's just it's, it's never looked like something that I'd really get into, and I've had just a sample, just a teaser taste of Skyrim uh, at the aforementioned Daenerys' husband Dan's place. After they got their 360, like, hey, I've got Skyrim. Let's check it out. I'm like, okay. And it was a bad point of the game for me to jump in and check it out. So I'm not as vested in this, but I'm curious, as you are all fans of one degree or another, particularly strong fans in some cases, of Elder Scrolls, are you excited about the newly confirmed Elder Scrolls Online game that's going to be coming out next year? I am torn. Oh, Tara, Tara, you don't you don't know how how awesome that is for me to hear. Please, please go on, Tara. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm being totally serious. Please, please go on. I am torn between this because I want. I want to be able to visit more of the world, of the Elder Scrolls world, and I want to be able to visit people's unique ideas. But I also don't want other people in my <laughs> world. Because I, I love I love Cyrodiil, I love Morrowind, I love Skyrim. I've journeyed, I've spent months accumulative, probably years, in these games. And I just, I don't want anybody to come in and fuck up my story. But on the other hand, I want to interact with other people's stories. I want to see their versions and their visions. And I want to fight these other factions. I want to have a real living, breathing nerd to run around in. And like I said, on the other hand, I don't want people to come in and destroy the history that in my head I have created for everything in Nern. Uh, it, they could be brilliant, or they could just fuck it up completely, and it could just fall and be destroyed like so many other MMOs have been. It's such a dangerous move that they're making with such a loved IP. I'm terrified. I couldn't agree with you more, Ter. I'm I'm right there with you, actually. I I, I couldn't have said it any better. Um my i've always said that you know god if any company could come out and do an mmo and do it better than anybody out there 
it would be Zenimax and Bethesda. You know, yeah. hands down, they could they could just do if they could just bring any all of their concepts into an MMO, it would just change the way we think about that whole genre. Period. End of story. Uh, but yet again, and, and I, I will echo Tara's comments, is that I don't want anybody else fucking up that world. I really don't. I really don't. I don't want to see it happen. Uh, it, there's so many things that can go wrong with it. And if they, if you know, if they put little quest icons over the NPCs' heads, if they, if they try to make little stupid public quests that everybody can join in on, all this nonsense that that MMORPGs have tried over the years to to push the genre forward, it's going to wreck the experience. Period. And another and, thing that that destroys them is, and this is one of the things that led to uh, me not liking WoW so much, is expansions. You put a boss in a game that has a lot of story behind him. Like, I'll just, I'll use Illidan, for example, in WoW. An amazing character, amazing story. He's nothing now. Now, after our expansions, you can just go in there with a group of people, fuck him up. He's nothing. <laughs> and he, they destroyed it. I don't want to see that happen again to another story or world that I love. To have this awesome boss that we eventually destroy or whatever. To right. He, he, he's just, he yeah. just ends up being like a sideshow. Like Two a, expansions later, he's fucking yeah. nothing. Yeah. What is that? That's awful. I that I'm terrified. <laughs> I yeah, I, you, you know another company that that I've always said that would do a what I would just think that would do a good job with it would be Rockstar would be you know because they're like oh, yeah. the mass another master of the open world um, kind of environment kind of game you know with their Grand Theft Auto series and Red Dead Redemption games like that where the games just feel like you know the 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 whole environment feels alive. Uh, and, you know, you're just walking through a town and people are talking to you and the whole, the whole story is tailored to you. You know, you're not, you don't never, you just never get that experience in an, in an MMO. You just don't, mm -hmm. you don't, you don't get that experience. You don't feel like, you know, you don't feel like you're the hero anymore yeah. and you know and i think that's that's kind of where mmos went wrong is that you just you really don't feel like the hero but you know goddamn in in grand theft auto or in skyrim you know games like that you feel like the damn hero you feel like the centerpiece of the entire yeah. story and i i never get that sense in an mmo anymore and i i just ah, man i just i don't want to see that happen in in the elder scrolls i really I don't remember the first time I crawled up broken and bloody up that fucking tower to close my first oblivion gate, I felt like a goddamn god. You know? <laughs> I yeah, was no, like, that, yeah. Cause that was hard. That was a hard thing to do. My god, Especially in the beginning. I like had nothing to heal myself anymore. I did, my magic was gone. I was like crawling up there with no health left. Pressed the spear. I stood up and cheered. 
I remember it. Was like, how do you get that in an MMO? I've never experienced Don't, that in an MMO. Because they have to, they have, the, the thing is, is that you can't tear, and, that, and that's where MMOs fail, is because everybody has to have the same experience. And I'm sure for some people that group effort is fantastic. And, you know, I've been through my hardcore raider phases where it's great, but I've never stood up and cheered when I've killed a raid boss at any point. <laughs> I've done that a few times for games. We just feel, and I don't, uh, I want it and I don't. It's just that. <laughs> now, Mark, you've given a lot of different MMOs a fair shake. You've played uh, across many different ones, and you have definitely had an interest in the Elder Scrolls games. I'm curious, what's your reaction as someone who's experienced a lot of different MMOs and has been a steadfast fan of the genre? Is this one that you would give a try? Oh, I'd, I'd, I'd have to give it a shot. I just, um, I'm kind of pessimistic as well. I, I don't know. It, I've always, I've always, you know, appreciated what they've done with the, the Elder Scrolls games, but I've never been able to complete one. I've never, um, you know, managed to just get kind of caught up in everything. And, uh, so I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm worried too, kind of with the same concerns that Tara and Jason have kind of stated that it might be Mark, difficult I, I to don't, pull off. I I've never thought you as a big fan of the whole open world kind of gaming uh environment. Right. Like I've never known you to play I've never known you to play like uh Grand Theft Auto or Fallout 3, for instance, you know, games like that where you just, where you can just, don't even have to follow the quest at all. You just, basically you could just spend an entire day doing nothing but wandering around the environment, you know, not necessarily doing the main quest, but just exploring around, which, which is kind of what those games are built around, which is what early MMOs used to be built around. Mm-hmm which I really think that, you know, I, I think that a lot of MMOs have kind of got away from that kind of thing where, where they just, they, they don't give you, the, they, they don't give the explorer archetype, you know, and they, you know, well, what's the, what's that test? It's, uh, ah, shit, I can't even remember the test anymore. It's where you, you answer all these questions and you're rated on Myers whether Bruce. you're, a, yeah, yes, whether you're a killer, explorer, achiever, you know, and whatnot. You know, I think that MMOs have killed the explorer part of that equation. Yep. I really do. And that's what I love most about, you know, game, uh, you know, a lot of games, a lot of those open world games like Elder Scrolls and Red Dead Redemption is that, you know, it itches that explorer in me. Mm Mm-hmm. Now this game's been in development for five years, with the and it's going to be the first title to come from Zenimax Online Studios, which was made five years ago with Mythic Entertainment co-founder Matt Fuhrer, who worked on Dark Age of Camelot. How do you think? Oh, so good. So I think that p- perhaps hints at why there's going to be three factions fighting each other. <gasps> here. RVR. Potentially, we don't RVR or VR. <laughs> oh, it's my RVR or VR. It no, RVR be. included all three factions. Right. Let me say right now, RVR, Dark Age of Camelot, the only PvP in any game I have ever enjoyed. 
Oh, realm that versus was realm. Fun. God, Mother yeah, there are a lot fucker. of fans out there. Yeah. System. Oh. So with that, that could potentially make this game pretty exciting. Another thing I'm curious about for you three is would it make a difference if this game were subscription based versus let's say like a gosh and I'm a Guild Wars model where it's buy it once versus and I doubt it's going to be this, like a free-to-play microtransaction base, would it, uh, <laughs> the financial system make a difference in your interest in this game? No. No, well, the the thing with me, and I, I don't it's probably going to be the same with Tara, too, is that, and I, I don't think Tara is saying that she won't play it, I'm not. I'm not. Oh, I'll try it. Exactly. That's the thing. This this is Elder Scrolls. Of course, we're both gonna play this damn game. I mean, it has the Elder Scrolls lore in it. We have to play it. We're compelled to play it. Yeah, we're both gonna try it. It's not really gonna (laughs) matter whether it's free to play, subscription, whatever. Yeah, that that's no factor in it. I have no control over if I will play this game or not. Yeah, me neither. Me neither, I, I know, and that's what sucks. It. It's like, I know I have to try it. Yeah, I will, I will have it. what model they choose. Yeah. Do you think this is potentially the last game that could launch with a subscription model for MMOs? Or do you still think that there's always going to be one more around the corner? Oh, there's uh, always going to be one around yeah. the corner. Always going to be someone who's going to try it. Yeah. They will Murphy. never learn. <laughs> Mark, do you have any further opinions that you want to share? And no, I'm totally totally agreeing with you guys. It's um, it seems like it's it's an effort that you know hopefully will be better than than what we think. I I remember thinking that Fallout Three was destined to suck, and it turned out to totally rule. So <laughs> you never know. Listeners, let us know what best. you think for Elder Scrolls Online. What's your verdict? Your your interest level? And if you have any qualms with Diablo 3's auction house fees, you're like, hell yeah, this is the way it's supposed to be established. Big surprise. Or any other things that you'd like to tell us about, maybe your impressions of the Avengers movie that's coming out over the oh, weekend. Oh, yeah. Which Cannot I know. wait. Yeah, me and Jason are going to go check that out tomorrow. We're pretty stoked about that. Maybe have some cool. insane PS3 gaming to talk about also next week's awesome. episode. Thank you very much to Terror and Jason for joining us in the show. Glad to be here. Tara for staying up so late. Jason for able to be having being able to make Skype magic work. I know. I didn't think it was going to happen, even though I did have a power outage tonight. Pretty crazy shit going on here. Uh, Mark, you've clearly done a good job managing your family's illnesses. You didn't have to take a break or anything. <laughs> it was <a> close call. <laughs> but yes, <thank> you. <laughs> things have I come together well. Say, I just want to say that it is now six thirty in the morning. Yeah. Oh, God. It's 11.30 here (laughs) at night. (laughs) And I'm not ready to go to bed yet. I'm going to party like it's 1999. (laughs) Listeners, we really appreciate you downloading this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We look forward to hearing your feedback on it and then your emails, whatnot. We will be back again next week. We bid you adieu. Warcraft for 10 years. If I can't play Diablo 3 soon, I might just kill myself.